Jesus changes lives, amen? And Terry, we're thankful for you, my brother, and excited for all that God is going to do in, in your life uh, from, here, from here on out. Luke chapter number five, we're actually going to look at an account today of a person whose life was changed when he met Jesus. There's a man here in, in Luke chapter five and verse number 12, this man has a, just a, a, a desperate situation, a hopeless situation. There's a man that is full of a, a deadly disease called leprosy. Leprosy is still a disease and in, in particularly in third world countries, it still exists and is still a huge issue and, and problem. Uh, but when we look at this account, this, this man having this leprosy, it was more than just this disease that that they viewed leprosy here as this, many people viewed it as this is a, a judgment from God. It's not just that you have this sickness, but that you, you've done something to, to have God's judgment upon you. Now, we do see in Scripture, there are instances where it absolutely is a judgment from God upon people. Like King Uzziah, people like Naaman, but yet it doesn't then follow that every single person that ever had leprosy was because it was God's judgment upon them. But lepers were, were, had to live as outcasts. That if you had leprosy, it's not just this deadly disease that started to eat away at you. It started from the inside out. It affect your, your nerves and, and, and then eventually would come out and started to eat away at your flesh. It wasn't just this horrible disease, but it was the fact that you basically had a death sentence of living in isolation from everyone because of how contagious this was, that if you were a leper, you either lived alone or you lived in a colony or a group of other lepers. And this was a, a disease that was just that brought utter hopelessness, a disease that attacked the nerves and it, it would eventually then lead to open sores on people. Eventually people would start to lose limbs and fingers and toes. And, and, and part of the reason for that is because eventually they wouldn't feel anything. They wouldn't even feel pain. And they wouldn't know that, that the, the, the pain that would send that signal from their body to their, their brain uh, that, that to stop doing something because it was harming their body. They would lose all feeling of that. It was a horrible, horrible disease. There's a man that had this disease and he had no hope until he met Jesus. I think today, though, this is an actual account, a historical account showing that Jesus has power, showing that Jesus had power over all sickness and all disease. It was, it was an actual physical healing that's going to take place. But yet, as we look at this, we can't help but notice many similarities to what leprosy is and how that that is a picture, can be a picture. In fact, Isaiah 1 uses that as a picture of a spiritual disease that we all have that is affected, that has affected and infected all of us and that all of us need that healing that comes through forgiveness, that comes that cleansing, that comes through forgiveness in Jesus Christ. But this man had a hopeless, desperate situation. Maybe 
today you're here and you can relate not necessarily to the disease of leprosy, but you have a situation that just feels hopeless in your life. You've, maybe it is a physical diagnosis. Maybe it is a tragedy that's taken place in your life recently. Maybe it has to, to do with loved ones in your life, or maybe it has to do with just a heartbreak in your life, and you see no hope from the situation. Well, this man was hopeless. It says it came to pass, verse number 12, that when he was in a certain city, so Jesus is going from city to city, he's preaching, he's teaching, he's healing people, he's now just recently begun his earthly ministry, and he's doing miracles, and he's casting out demons, he's healing the sick, he's, he's proving, all of these things are proving his deity. And it says this man came who was full of leprosy. Dr. Luke is, is pointing out that this man is full of leprosy, that leprosy has absolutely devastated and is destroying his body. This man has no hope, but he was full of leprosy. And it says, who seeing Jesus fell on his face, besought him saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He's saying, Jesus, if you will, if you are willing to make me clean, I know that you can. What humility that this man comes to Jesus with. He's saying, look, I know you, if you will, if it is your desire, you can make me clean. He calls him Lord. You see that this man is, is, is worship, already offering this worship before he's healed. This is the reverence that he has to Jesus. And no doubt this man has heard that there's this miracle worker that, that Jesus is healing people. And he knows if he can get to him, that is his only hope. It's risky for him to even approach Jesus or to approach a group of people. Ancient Jewish writings talk about how that, that they would, people would, would, would carry large rocks with them and they would throw them at lepers to keep lepers away from coming near any people. In Leviticus, we're going to talk about Levit Leviticus 14 here in a few moments. There's, there's, there's special rules and regulations for if you have leprosy to stay away from people, to quarantine from people so you don't pass this deadly disease on. So this man, no doubt, was just so hopeless that he really had nothing else to lose. He would suffer whatever the consequences would be. I mean, after all, he's got this deadly disease of leprosy. What is there left to lose? He has no hope. But he knows if he can get to Jesus that there's that possibility that he can be healed. He says, if, to Jesus says, if you will, he says that you can cleanse me. And Jesus, you see this compassion, this love that Jesus had for this man. What a beautiful picture of Jesus' love and compassion on sinners, amen? Jesus says that he put forth his hand and he touched him saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. This man received this miraculous cleansing of this leprosy. He comes to Jesus in worship. He comes to him with humility. He comes to him knowing that he can do nothing to heal himself, but that Jesus can. 
And Jesus shows this, this love. Jesus shows this compassion on, on this broken and hurting man. And we see this all through the Gospels. We're going to continue to see this love and compassion that Jesus has on sinners. How he heals people from diseases. How he casts out demons. But ultimately that Jesus is forgiving people of their sins. Because Jesus is God. And Jesus alone has the authority and has the power to forgive sins. We're going to look at next week, Lord willing, another healing of the, the, the paralytic man and how that Jesus is going to say you're, that he forgives him of his sins. And that's going to cause a ruckus amongst the religious people thinking like, who does this guy think he is that he can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And yes, that's the point. Jesus is proving his deity. This man says, if you will, you can make me clean. Today, there is, uh, I think, a, a rather dangerous mentality among some movements or some groups that they almost criticize a prayer by saying, God, if this is your will. Because they say, well, if you say, if this is God's will, that is a demonstration of a lack of faith on your part. Well, that's ludicrous. That's ridiculous. Now, can we go to God in confident prayer? Should we go to God in confident prayer, having faith that God can do anything, that God can work miracles? Absolutely. We need to have that faith. We need to have that confidence. But many times in that prayer, when we say, God, if this is your will, it's not demonstrating a lack of faith. It's demonstrating this humility that we recognize that God may or may not choose to heal us. God may or may not choose to answer this prayer how we're hoping he does. We're praying that God, we're realizing that God may or may not change the situation that we are powerless to change. And yet the faith is knowing this, that God can heal, that God has the power to heal, that God is still working miracles and I thought Joe did a tremendous job a few weeks ago of talking about how that, that, look, we still believe that God has the power of healing. We still believe that God is a miraculous, miraculous God, but it doesn't give us this, this authority or this, this, this power to go around claiming that we personally have this power to heal people. No, but we believe God does. And so when we pray for healing of someone physically, when we pray for someone that's going through a horrible situation that we, that we go to God in prayer, change this person, heal this person, change the situation, we're coming to God, yes, with faith that God can miraculously change the situation, but also the humility of recognizing that it may not be God's will to change that situation. Recognizing that as desperately as we want God to answer this prayer, how we hope he answers it, that if, God, if God's answer is no, or if God's answer is wait, that we are aligning our will with God's. Recognizing that if God chooses not to heal us, if God chooses not to miraculously intervene and change a situation, 
It's because God is doing something in us. It's part of his sanctification of us. It's part of maybe eventually allowing someone to go through tragedy to bring them ultimately to faith in Christ. We just saw this wonderful testimony of Terry who went through a horrible situation when he was 18. But yet ultimately that's what God used. He used a tragedy to ultimately bring him to faith in Christ. Now, Terry sits in here amongst us as a believer, as a follower of Christ. And, and what happened was a horrible situation that we look at and think that was tragic. Why would a loving God allow that to happen? God, if you're all powerful, why would you allow? Well, well, we see why God allowed that to happen. And many times in life, we do see down the road. Man, God, I was praying really hard that you would, you would take me out of this situation. But no. God allowed you to go through it because it was through that situation that God changed your heart. Maybe that brought you to faith in Christ or maybe taught you so much about, about, about who he is and his love and, and what he was, what he had for you to then later be able to accomplish for his glory. Nothing wrong with, with praying. In fact, we should pray in faith, recognizing God is a miraculous God that God still heals, that God still works miracles, that God can still turn around the most hopeless situation. But having that humility of recognizing, God, if this isn't your will to change this in my time, if it's not your will to do what I so desperately want you to do, God, I'm submitting to your will. This man has humility. He says, if you will, but Jesus will was yes. He says, I, I will be thou clean. And here it is immediately, immediately the leprosy departed from him. We see some amazing things here in this passage. The first thing we see is this, that Jesus is demonstrating he is God by showing that he has power over sickness and disease that the sickness and disease is, is a result of the fall it's a result of the sin cursed world we live in and even though we're in a sin cursed fallen world we have a sovereign god who is who is powerful over all of it and that if god does not heal if god does not bring healing from a sickness from a disease it is because he has a greater purpose and glory that he is going to accomplish with us going through that. Jesus is demonstrating though that he has the power over this sickness. He has the power over this disease. We see secondly that Jesus has compassion on the broken and the hurting. Today if you're in a hopeless situation, today if you're dealing with something that you feel powerless to control it, know this, that not only does Jesus have power over that, but Jesus has compassion. That Jesus cares. That Jesus loves you. He loves me. And that Jesus, here we see, he's willing to touch this man. This leper. You didn't do that to lepers. Not only did you not touch lepers, you didn't... You, you wouldn't want to be near them because of how highly contagious this disease was. But yet Jesus touches this man. This is showing a genuine 
love. And may we recognize this is what Jesus does for every one of us, amen? That Jesus has compassion on us. The fact that we are sitting in here today, those that know the Lord, those that have been saved by his grace, we sit here today as a family of God, we sit here today having our sins forgiven because Jesus loves us. He has compassion upon each and every one of us. As I mentioned, leprosy can and is even used as a picture of sin. Now, there can be a danger of trying to over-spiritualize every passage, but I think we would hopefully agree, like, this is a fair analogy to point out that, that leprosy, though probably, hopefully none of us in here have a physical disease of leprosy, we are in desperate need of cleansing. We are in desperate need of not just healing from a physical disease, but a spiritual disease that is infected and it affects every single one of us. But yet the love and the compassion that our Savior Jesus brings is he brings forgiveness of that sin. That if we will come to him in humility, if we will come to him and acknowledge our need and acknowledge our sin, acknowledge our disease, that we will find a perfect savior in Jesus Christ who will forgive us and he will cleanse us from that sin. We see that Jesus has compassion upon sinners. We like this leper we have a disease, a much greater disease, a disease of sin that has infected our, our lives. It is a disease that separates us, just like lepers were separated from people while our sin separates us from a holy God. And we have no hope. There is nothing we can do to save ourselves other than like this leper, Come with humility, recognizing that Jesus alone can save us. See, our sin is bad. Now, we have no problem seeing how horrible sin is. But many times, our view of sin is that it is horrible when it's in someone else's life. Like, we have no problem detesting and despising how evil and how bad sin is in other people. But the problem many times is we don't see how horrible and disgusting our own sin is. You know, when you see someone else's sin, you see what someone else has done, and you just, it, 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 sometimes we can have no mercy. Sometimes we can have even hardened hearts towards people until we recognize just how much mercy we have received. Until we recognize just how evil our hearts are. Until we recognize just how sinful we are. And we realize that we are all desperately in need of salvation. We see just how disgusting our sin is and in fact, we're going to see later on in this chapter, Jesus is, when, 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 he's getting, when he's getting heat from the religious crowd about, oh, he's hanging out with the tax collectors, he's hanging out with the sitters, Jesus' response is, well, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners to repentance. Now, 
the thing is, every single person is a sinner in need of repenting and coming to Jesus Christ. But his point was this, that the people that didn't see their need of a savior, the people that didn't see their need to repent of sin were people that were not going to be saved because we have to recognize just how sinful we are and how much we need a loving, compassionate savior who will come and not just, not, not just help us turn over a new leaf and not just help us do things a little better and not just help us clean up a little bit, but to transform us, to bring complete healing, to cleanse us of our sin. Jesus heals this man completely and wholly. He touches this man with compassion. We see next, though, that Jesus is going to show respect and importance to this law of Moses. So after Jesus heals him, he, he charges him. He says, don't tell no man. Don't go and tell everybody. He says, first, you're going to go show yourself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing, according as Moses commanded us, for a testimony unto them. So Jesus is showing absolute respect and importance to the law of what this leper now needs to go and do. Now, Jesus obviously is God, right? He knows, he knows that this Levitical law is, is, is at the point of being completed, that he is going to fulfill the entire law, that Jesus is going to go to the cross in just a couple years to be the sacrifice for our sins where we no longer will need priests and sacrifices and altars because that will be completed. Jesus will complete that. But yet what we see here is that Jesus is come and he's come to fulfill the law. He tells this leper, go show yourself to the priest. See, he's careful to follow this law. This leper needs to be legally pronounced clean. Though even though Jesus knew the Levitical the day, the last days of the Levitical institutions were at hand, but yet he recognizes and shows respect to the law of God. So in application, may we not be dismissive of things in the Old Testament as irrelevant or unimportant. Why? Because the New Testament does not cancel out the Old. It's a completion and really a continuation of the Old Testament. Now, do we follow the dietary laws and ceremonial laws today? No. The reason for that is because those have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I like what uh, J.C. Ryle said about this. He said, it is true that darkness has passed and true light now shines. We have nothing to do with altars and sacrifices and priests. Those who wish to revive them are like men who light a candle at noonday. But as true as this is, we must never forget that the ceremonial law is still full of instruction. It contains that same gospel in the bud that we see in full flower. Rightly understood, we shall always find it throwing strong light on the gospel of Christ. That the Old Testament, when we read it, and sometimes we can just have this attitude of just dismissing it. It's irrelevant. It's unimportant. None of it applies to me. But yet what we see in the ceremonial laws, in the dietary laws, 
are, are, are really so much that points to what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. The reason for Jesus coming was to the, be the fulfillment of all of those things in the Old Testament, all of these rituals, all of these, these sacrifices, all of these things, they were, they were just a shadow of yet what was, what was yet to come. They were the dress rehearsal before Jesus Christ would come and be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. There were specific laws given to God's covenant people, Israel, for a specific time and a specific purpose. And so let's not be dismissive, dismissive of that as, oh, that Old Testament, it's great for the cool stories that we can tell kids about Moses and David and Elijah. And other than that, it's just pretty much irrelevant. No, the Old Testament is a beautiful picture of pointing out what Jesus Christ would come, the need of Jesus coming to fulfill all of those things. Jesus is here now shows this respect and importance of the law that he's to go to the priest because the priest would be the one that would go through these rituals now to verify that this man has been healed. So read Leviticus 14, and it gives in-depth description of what someone would have to do to prove or if they felt they, were, they had leprosy or to verify if they were healed of this. So the leper had to schedule a time to go to meet with the priest. The priest would have to verify that he was healed and if someone was healed, the priest would take two birds and one would be killed, one would be set free. This is similar to um, when they would take the, the, the goats. Remember the two goats that one would be sacrificed, one would be let go in the wilderness, one showing the, 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 the payment for sin was made with the shedding of blood, the sacrifice for sin. The other would be let go, showing that, that our sins have been carried and buried far away what we sang about today but these birds one would be sacrificed the other would be let go this is symbolic of what jesus would do for our sin the person would have to bathe they'd have to shave their entire body this was saying that this person now is a new person they're made whole that many times lepers would go long amounts of time without bathing and they it was just disgusting how they would live but this is just really what the the sentence would be for a leper they would live like this but yet when they would be healed they would be they would they would bathe they would shave and this was a symbol that this person now has made whole this person after a week long then of of being away from people to verify this, that the healing had, had been made, they would then have a week-long party of celebrating their healing. After this, they would bathe again. And then the priest would take three lambs and offer sacrifice. And then the priest would do something very, very interesting. He would take the blood of the lamb and he would put blood upon the ear, upon the thumb, and upon the big toe. This was symbolic showing that this person now has been cleansed from head to toe, that this person has now been set free from this disease, the blood on the ears, that you've been, you've been cleansed, you've been given really new life 
You belong to Jesus now. You belong to God now. You've been cleansed from this. You've been healed. The blood on the ear. Now listen to God. The blood on the, the thumb. Now use those hands to serve God. The blood on the, the big toe. Now follow God. And this is a picture when we are saved, when we are cleansed, that God saves us now to listen to him, to serve him, to follow him. We've been given new life in Christ. We have been saved from our sin. We have been cleansed from our sin. And it's now to live a new life to follow Christ. It's now to live that new life recognizing that we have not just added something to our life. We've been transformed. We've been cleansed. The blood of Christ has saved us and cleansed us. Today, if you know the Lord, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, if you've repented of your sins and are following Jesus Christ, you and I have been given new life. We've got that clean slate. And it's to follow and serve God. It's not to go back and live how we used to before we were cleansed. It's to follow him. It's to serve him. It's to listen to his voice now. Because we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. We see this priority that Jesus made that he would go and show himself to the priests. And verse number 15 says this, but so much more there went fame abroad of him. Words getting out. And then great multitudes, it says, they came to hear to hear him and to be healed of him of all their infirmities. I mean, I imagine so, right? If words getting out that Jesus heals, that Jesus can cleanse, that Jesus can make people whole. And so great crowds now are starting to come to him. Verse 16, it says, he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. That though Jesus, yes, clearly was God, he was fully God, but yet we see that Jesus was also fully man. And Jesus, because of during this time at the incarnation, that he, he at times got weary, times got tired. And Jesus had to withdraw himself now from this crowd and pray. To be recharged of having that time of communion with the Father. Jesus didn't let the demands of public ministry stop him from times of private prayer. May we realize and recognize this, that any success, any lasting success in public ministry is going to come from the power within that we get from that time of communing with God in prayer. May we recognize the importance of that. May we see how important that that time alone with God in solitude and prayer, having that time of peace and quiet before God is what's going to fuel and strengthen us to do the work of ministry. And what this means for us is we have to prioritize this time. Jesus gave time. I mean, there were, there, there were great crowds coming to him. But yet Jesus many times would take times of solitude, take times to pray, to commune with his father. And we need to do the same. 
that we need to prioritize that time of prayer before God each and every day. May we recognize that the busier that we get, the more ministry that God gives to us of ministering to people and serving him, the more opportunities, the busier we get doesn't mean the less time that we should be spending with God. It means the more time we need to spend with him. See, otherwise what's going to happen is this, if, if you and I, if it's go, 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 constantly doing ministry, constantly serving people, constantly helping people, but our soul is not being replenished, we're going to burn out. We're, we're, we're going to, we ourselves are not going to be in a position to be able to minister in the way God wants us to minister if we don't have that communion with God, that time of prayer with God. God. And we have to prioritize that. Sometimes it can be the busiest seasons of life and maybe what appears to be some of the most fruitful times in our life. And yet it can be during those times, a temptation of not seeing the need of that communion with God, that time alone with God in prayer. And you know this, but it's something you have to prioritize. It's something I have to prioritize. We need to understand this. We need to set that time aside daily, that time with God in prayer. For some of you, it's out running early in the morning. For some of you, you have no interest in running, right? It's, you're going to go for a walk outside. You're going to sit in a quiet place with your Bible and a cup of coffee. And for you, that's that time where you're going to be recharged, where God, I want to serve you. I want to reach out to this broken and fallen world around me. You have saved me to point people to you. We can't save anyone. We can't help anyone. We can't heal anyone. But we know the only one who can, and that is Christ. And we have to have that time of communion with God ourselves to be able to reach out to a fallen and broken world. We have to be replenished spiritually sometimes replenished even physically with just resting. Why? So we can then be able to help other people more that God puts in our life. We can better minister to people more. Some of the best advice that, that I was given when we were about to plant, uh, plant Crosspoint was to do ministry with long-term view in mind. See, a lot of people, they're all about starting well and starting fast, but many times they don't take into account or they don't think about how are you going to finish. And like, yes, can there be a, a time where we can almost use that as an excuse to not, or, or use that as an excuse to not work hard and not, not do what we're supposed to do? Sure. But a lot of times, we can be so driven, have so much pressure to fulfill all the ministry requirements or to help everybody that comes in your path. And here's the thing, if you and I aren't having that time with God in prayer, if we aren't, if our soul isn't being replenished with, 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 with the truth from God's word and the truth of what God is teaching us and the time of, of God ministering to our hearts, we're not going to have that capacity to help the people that God has called us to minister to. Jesus took that time alone with the Father. It says he withdrew himself into the wilderness 
and prayed. We see a lot of application from just these few short verses. But may we today be encouraged. May we be thankful to just recognize how much love and compassion we've been shown by Jesus. That he has saved us. That we all have been infected by the sin in our lives. And we need healing. We need cleansing. And we cannot do that on our own. We, we can't. We've all tried and we've all failed. Oh, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm we cannot stop sinning on our own. We need to be cleansed. We need the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from that sin. So I ask you today, have you experienced that saving cleansing from your sin? Have you come to Jesus humbly? Have you called upon him to repent of sin and, 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 and call upon him for mercy to save you? If you have, let me ask you this. Practically speaking, are we having that love and compassion on people around us? We can't save them, but we can point them to Jesus Christ who has saved us. And we can give them hope that they can come to Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. They can come to Jesus and experience that cleansing. May we understand and recognize how serious that our sin is. Again, we're going to touch on this over the next two weeks. But there's a misconception and a, and a misunderstanding that love can be just encouraging people to continue in their sin. Well, that's not what we're looking at. That's not what we're talking about. Love is, yes, loving people where they're at, but pointing out their need of a Savior. That Jesus is calling people not to continue in their sin, but to repent of their sin. We have experienced that hope. So who are we to look down on people and think that, well, they're too bad, they can't be saved? No, everyone who will come to Jesus by faith, who, who will repent of their sin, no matter how bad, no matter how evil it is, can experience that cleansing, can experience that salvation. Are we showing love and compassion to the people around us who have no hope? Are we offering that hope, pointing people to that hope in Jesus Christ that we have experienced? And then are we, like Jesus, are we taking time of that communion with our Heavenly Father? Taking time and recognizing, yes, it's a busy, crazy world and a crazy pace that we're living. There's all the more reason to recognize that time for solitude, that time for prayer, that time with God. We, we need our soul to be replenished daily. Walking in the spirit, being in the word of God, spending time in prayer so that we can be effective in ministry so that we can actually have a full tank to help people that desperately need our help. Ultimately, they need the help of Jesus. But we many times are going to be that human instrument that's going to point people to a savior in Christ. Let's pray. God.